What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sammy Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. What's up, Gregory Miller? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, uh, man. Honestly, for the uh, listeners, I'll let you introduce yourself. But just um, you were part of the animation team for the amazing Midnight Gospel. Yes, uh, I'm wearing. I'm sporting my Titmouse animation hoodie today. Nice. Does that say Titmouse? Uh, Titmouse. I yeah, love it. Titmouse animation. They we produce the animation of the Midnight Gospel. Um, at the studio in New York and the uh, studio in LA also. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, it was an incredible experience. So I'm a lifelong artist, illustrator. I've been trying to do this for my entire career, which is about 10 years so far. Um, yeah, so. Sweet. Thanks for having me. <laughs> is, is this like your, how do, what's the words? Is this like your first big break? I don't know how else to word it. Like, is this like your first like accolade or like what's the? Uh, yeah, I, I think like this is probably the most exciting thing I've worked on for sure. It's definitely like you could probably equate it to my first big break. Um, I did work on an Adult Swim show when I first got out of school, but it it never aired. Like, but it was it was a fun project regardless. We all got paid to draw, so <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, I'm, I'd, I'd be curious. I mean, I hate to derail the conversation immediately, but what was that show like? Are you allowed to talk about it? Like, since it didn't air? Uh, yeah, I can talk about it a little bit because there's like a little bit of information online. Um, but you know, whenever I work on any kind of job, we sign NDAs. Um, so, I the show that I did work on was called uh, Tight Bros. It was um, produced by Clambake Animation in Boston, and okay. it was for Adult Swim, and it was basically like Jersey Shore meets Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like very self-aware, like. Yeah, uh, it was a bizarre. I mean, shout out to Clambake Animation; those guys are awesome. I love them. Um, not sure what they're working on these days, but. Uh, so what happened? Yeah, it just never project. made it to the air. It just got canceled. Um, none of us really know what happened. It's like, fuck it. <laughs> like, like we produced like seven episodes with them. It was like a year of work. Like we did a pilot, we did a, a demo. First you do a, a demo, then a pilot episode. Then we produced seven episodes of a 10 episode series. So that's like a year of work. And then Adult Swim was like, hey, um, sorry, uh, it's not going to work. So I think that probably happens a lot in the, in the, in that industry. No, it's just like, yeah, I think it's, it's probably pretty hard to get a show on the air. Like even after you think you already have it, like there's always hoops to jump through. I'm assuming. I'm using my references of entourage to get, to see how the, how the behind the scenes usually works, you know? Right. 
right? <laughs> I never watched that show, and I don't think I ever will. It's pretty good. It shows. It's kind of you get a glimpse oh. of that life. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I should check that out. So, yeah, um, but like, I don't know if you guys wanted to kind of um, guide the conversation, or if you want me to just kind of go with what's inspiring me and just shoot the shit honestly by the end of this we're probably gonna be talking about psychedelics or something like i don't know <laughs> but yeah like yeah. just to give some context maybe like so describing mm-hmm. the process of how it, you it came to happen for well i mean you're part of the team so they just probably they called up a bunch of animators but like the whole process and it must have been a kind of a surreal experience were you a duncan fan before doing uh the show um I will be completely honest. <clears throat> I love Duncan Trussell, but I was not a fan before the show. Okay. Um, I am a fan of a lot of. Well, I am a huge fan now. And I, <laughs> nice. I, like, how how I can love, you not be after that? You know. Yeah, I mean, I love a lot of what he what he talks about. A lot of his philosophies. Like, I'm totally on board with with that. Um, and yeah, it's just. Midnight Gospel was a, a very surreal experience because it was a show that, like, unlike a lot of animated shows, I think, that are on television, um, they, there's a very set style that you have to follow. But with Midnight Gospel, there is there is this kind of Adventure Time style that the artists have to follow, but it's psychedelic, it's trippy, and every single episode happens in a different world. So we were actually, you know advised by the art directors to make each world unique so you almost had to change the way that you draw in every single episode yeah um yeah like episode four is a medieval dark fantasy which i loved because i love that stuff um (laughs) so it was like a lot of big areas of shadow and cross hatching and um i won't get too artsy <laughs> with Please do, man. If you can, if you can take us to school, as I like to say, like, uh, I mean, uh, any anything you want to dive into that you would find uh, educational or interesting, because like, I, I, all, all I did really was like watch the show. You know, I, I like the show, but then I, maybe I watched it again, thinking someone made every inch of this. You know, and like your hand literally made like maybe maybe the vines in the background. Of yep. that, of what was it like episode four there with the the girl with the the rose there? Yeah, episode. And four. then, yeah. so then in episode three, there's <laughs> that fishbowl guy. But then there's like there's like similar vines and stuff when he goes in that like uh, uh, abandoned boat. And I'm thinking like, I wonder if the same guy did those vines. I wonder if someone told him to do that or if it was like a choice. Like yeah. I I have no idea what the process is. Yeah, it's like 20 people doing any given thing, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, like, so when I got hired onto that project, first of all, I had no idea what it even was. They were like, you're going to work on the midnight gospel. I'm like, okay, what's that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they made, me, they made me do, uh, they make all artists kind of test so that they, you just do like a little, um, you, you do an illustration in the style that they provide. So um, that we had really amazing art directors, Jesse Moynihan and um, background uh, lead Ellie Machalka. They're amazing. Um, shout out to them. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they, they worked with Pendleton <laughs> Ward and <clears throat> they would kind of direct the style and the look of the show. 
Um, so, you know, I got an entire PDF document when I started of the way that plants are supposed to look in this, in this world. You know, you have to draw with this type of curve or, or clouds are supposed to be represented in this way. And then we get inspiration of other artists, like one, one artist, for example, that we looked at was David Gian. Um, he's a, an artist in LA. I hope I'm not butchering his name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, another guy, uh, the ghost shrimp. That, he goes by the ghost shrimp. Do you guys know his work? No, but I saw his name in the credits. I was like, I was going to ask you. I was like, what, who the fuck is ghost shrimp? <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Dan, his name is Dan Bandit. But um, he basically, Dan, the ghost shrimp, he like designed the whole kind of look of like Clancy's trailer and like where he lives. And he's also responsible for like the look of um, a lot of the Adventure Time world. So he worked with Penn Ward in the past. And I mean, he's he's an awesome guy. He's crazy. He lives in like a cabin in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. He just like draws for animation. <laughs> uh, and he actually, quick shout out to Dan. He also does, does this thing called Ghost Scouts where like artists, like aspiring artists go up to Vermont and they basically like live off the land with him for a week and, and do art. And that's super hiking. cool. Yeah. Whoa. Um, uh, that's sick. <laughs> yeah. Did was, you do that? I haven't done it, but I have friends who have done it. I'd love to do it. You know, if things get back to normal, hopefully. Um, I'd love to get up there sometime. Uh, yeah. So like I, I kind of helped develop, um, the worlds of episode three, four, and seven mostly. So the underwater world with the fishbowl man, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> like Such that a weird show. <laughs> and that I mean that cat ship, you know the ship of cats. Oh yeah, that yeah. thing. That thing almost that almost killed me. Like, <laughs> I, I got the Dude. job. I just, I just thank you for your service. I just <laughs> like it's a it's it's a it's a it's like a small but paramount detail in that episode. And to to yeah. say just I didn't expect that that you're like that that thing was like my fucking life for who knows how long. <laughs> no, seriously, like weeks. I was just drawing this bizarre ship from all these different angles, and like okay, like you can Google or you can like go look at reference of something in life that actually exists. But when you have an item like this ship, which is totally surreal and um, imagined by someone else, and, and also, like, this this ship wasn't even fully designed when they were asking me to, you know, that's sometimes animation. It's like everything's happening at once. Mm. So I'm, you know, expected to be producing these backgrounds, but the ship isn't even, like they're still figuring out the design, which is fine, but it made it challenging. And, um, but in the end, I mean, it's so, I'm so happy. I'm so beautiful. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful cat ship. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to cat ship for life. correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I'll use like a, the closest thing I have to a reference would be the restaurant industry. If you go to like a very good restaurant, some of the best restaurants I've been to was they allow the chef and the cooks to just, f they give guidelines, but they formulate the menu per night, like the special menu. And that is where you get some of the best quality food is because you allow everyone to have that creativity. 
and they're winging it. A little yeah, bit. it's yeah. like they're really they're expressing their love and passion for cooking, and it sounds like yeah. this show is like the animators' dream where they have guidelines, but you just fucking go with it and just flow and just use your creativity and create this world. Because like you said, every episode is a different landscape, different characters. So like, I'm sure it's, it, some moments were hell, but like for creativity, it was probably everything you wanted. No, totally. I mean, it was a dream. Nice. It was a complete dream project. Like any job is challenging. Um, but, you know, Jesse Moynihan, the art director, he did such an amazing job by like just giving us the right amount of guidance, but also like giving us free range, if yes. that makes sense, yeah. um, to kind of explore our own strengths and our own styles through the show. Because every artist has a different style, right? We all come into this. When you work as a commercial artist, you you know, you know, develop your own personal style, but then with each project, you have to kind of mold yourself to that look, to that style. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, man, you know, Midnight Gospel, you could watch Midnight Gospel like five times and still not take everything in. Like, <laughs> I, it's I like, have. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, you could just, you could just watch it purely for the visuals one time and then you could watch it purely j- just to listen to the, to the interviews, um, and it, it's just so amazing that like Penn Ward and Duncan were able to uh, like take these interviews and like formulate a script and a story around every single one and fit that into a giant cohesive narrative. Yeah. Like it, it's insane. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it, there's like this like fractal storyboarding where you're like, you're listening over and over to this conversation and trying to figure out, like, where does this go visually? Where does this go with this Clancy character? Character Because right. they even they even break character a lot and, like, just say the name Duncan, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and they just keep it in. They're just like, it'll be trippier. It'll, it's breaking the fourth wall. Like, who cares? And, and I mean, it's, it's a... That's cool. I guess ambitious is a good word because it's, it's hard. There's nothing new under the sun. For, so for Duncan and, and Penn to, like, fusion and and really make like a podcast format trippy cartoon and the execution like they stuck the landing like it's it's really something man and sure if i like anyone who's part of that i'm sure you i'm sure you just feel like uh i guess pride is like a simple but really strong emotion you know and like this like the the you know just again like i was saying something as innocuous for the viewer let's say no offense like for as the cat boat you know it's it's a setting the characters are on the boat it's still a really fucking cool thing but it's like we're not thinking of the the all the stuff that was left on the cutting room floor we're not thinking of all the all the the rewrites and the re that like something has to completely be reestablished on the animation side uh and on the concept art side even maybe just because something changed in the story side you know, like you guys are scrambling sometimes to kind of find this like spearhead. Actually, you know, I'm curious. Um, like, did you have to worry about continuity? Like, it's a trippy ass cartoon. You know, like, did you have to think about this boat like in 3D sort of, or did you just kind of like next place, next place, next place? Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of continuity um, that happens, at, even on a trippy show like this. I mean, I'm used to that because I do my own comic series. Uh, but 
<clears throat> and I've worked in animation, but yeah, like that boat, for instance, um, I, yeah, I mean, you have to work in that, in that style. Actually, after I drew the boat about like 35 times, I went to, um, <laughs> 35 times. Uh, <laughs> I, went, I went to the, the background lead, Ellie, uh, she's awesome. And I was like, Hey Ellie, like, is there any way like we could make this more streamlined, more efficient for the artists? Like I, I'm a little worried that we're not that like, this is going to change. We're going to have to change every single background. And, and she was like, well, what if we did a 3d model? <laughs> and by the time they kind of got the approval for that, uh, potentially happening, I think I had drawn the boat like 55 times and then we were done. So, <laughs> wow, wow, it's like it was a good idea. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I really know how to draw this boat now. So, great. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you had a 3D model, if you in the beginning, if you look back, if you had a 3D model from the start, you could just turn it and kind of trace it. But, I mean, that's kind of cheating. But, I mean, is that a sound? That's the dogs. <laughs> Sounds like a. That's one dog, by the way. Oh wow! It sounded like a, a pack of wolves. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can continue what you were saying. Samuel just jump back in. If if yeah. if you had the three D model. Yeah, like like one one kind of cheat we thought about was maybe if someone had made a 3D model of this boat, um, then we could have traced, we could have just like turned it and traced all these different angles for, for each background because it's so precise. You know, mm. you have to, just, just the sheer perspective of every angle on that ship as an imagined item that has never existed in the world and making sure that that perspective is correct from every angle you know, when, when you're looking over the shoulder of the fishbowl man and there's like these MC Escher-esque stairs going in every direction on the boat behind him, it's like that has to match when you're looking at the back of the boat as it's melting an ice wall with mm. this, uh, I forget the name of the hand item. I don't, yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, it's, it's something that I think came from Jesse's work, Jesse Moynihan. But yeah. Uh, so it was challenging and I'm, I mean, everyone is so proud. Everyone is so happy with like the final product. It's, I mean, we couldn't have done it without such an amazing team of artists and, and creative people. So I was, yeah. now I'm kind of retracting what I said before. This sounds like it, it was, I mean, it was obviously amazing, but it sounds almost like it was so complex that it's, it kind of played against all of you because now you're saying that the staircase has to look good from every angle. So it's. And that show is just constantly twisting around. So it's to to imagine to keep everything in line with where they were initially placed must have been such a headache at some moments. Yeah, and like, but I don't want to like. I have nothing negative to say about the show or like or work. Like it was such an amazing dream project, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it was more challenging probably to be working on something so psychedelic and imagined than if it was something that like actually existed in our real world because mm. you can look at a certain type of ship online and draw that right from like we know that we know 
we can find reference for that. <laughs> <laughs> but a cat, a cat ship is hard to find. Yeah. I mean, this lives in like the ether and in, like five different people's imaginations and it's forming as you're <laughs> designing it. <so laughs> it's funny you said uh-huh. before, like I, it didn't really click, but I, now I'm noticing myself because when I watched that show, I was so in like a trance where at moments I would just focus on the animation. I, f- I didn't even hear what was going on. And then I would go into the conversation and then I'd forget what was happening in the animation. And it's one of those shows that you really need to rewatch because there's so much to appreciate. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I'm, I've only watched it twice. I need to watch it again. I'm, <laughs> I'm still taking things in and I was watching it when we were working on it. Like, wow. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's, yeah. Um, but yeah, so were you guys big Duncan fans before the show? Yeah, yeah to be honest, like, uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. Joe Rogan, Duncan Trussell, Aubrey Marcus. Like, I think Rogan has a kind of big circle, and then there's kind of these like Venn diagrams of all these other people. And sure. Duncan Trussell was definitely in that. And like, I tell people, I have one friend, he hasn't seen the last two episodes, and it's like the death episode, and then his mom, like the mom podcast. And I was like, you're missing the two best episodes. <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I got frustrated because <laughs> for me, years ago when he recorded that conversation with his mom, that was like that was like his claim to fame for me. Like he obviously had the podcast for a while beforehand, I think. But like right. I I really got to know I really I really got introduced to him as a person at all. And then I find out he's He's like a weird, his sense of humor is so, he's such a troll. It's amazing. And then he gets into all this, like, uh, all this, like, dharma and, like, yoga stuff, which I'm into. And then he gets into, like, like Tibetan and Buddhism and, and psychedelics. Yeah. And he's a stand-up comedian. And he goes to Burning Man. And <laughs> next thing I know, I just really enjoy this guy. And then I find out, I love Adventure Time. I was, like, sad when it ended. Like, it's an incredible show that evolves so much from episode one. It's so basic and so, I mean, obviously even the voice acting, the animation, like everything evolves, but I, you don't, you don't know how much control or how much input Pendleton Ward actually has once, when something like Adventure Time gets so big, but then to see him and Duncan create this thing, I'm like, oh, okay. Like these guys are awesome. Pendleton Ward and Duncan Trussell, like they're both just insane people to me, but like, insane in a, in a good way insane can be a very bad thing obviously and i'm not <laughs> using this word lightly i think they're both fucking nuts <laughs> like they have i don't know if they're both i don't know if pendleton ward is on some kind of drugs or what the fuck kind of life he's had but like i'm uh impressed by both of them Sorry, yeah I'm, I'm i'm super impressed by both of them and i i only met pen briefly when i visited la and i visited titmouse there um, and I haven't met Duncan, but I've met like everyone around him. I, <laughs> I hope, you know, I hope to meet these guys and hang out with them someday. They seem, they seem super cool. And this was obviously such a passion project with like so many of their ideas that they had been building and developing together for years. I think they had been talking about doing this show for like 10 years or something. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was multiple years that they, they wanted to make this so together um yeah but uh <clears throat> i don't know man it's trippy <laughs> it's, it's crazy it's a really I'm not fun surprised. yeah <laughs> it's going back to to know about duncan is that 
this yeah. weird era of the internet is like it takes you on people's journeys now and like i've been following duncan for almost probably close to 10 years just from the jre and just following his podcast and then seeing him live a few times uh performing his stand-up and in a weird way i saw his progression in life and spiritually uh, business-wise whatever and yeah. It, it seeing this show come to fruition and and being on tv now it was like in a weird way because i never met Doug, well, i met him briefly in crowds but never actually had a, a friendly conversation with him it was almost like a friend yeah. seeing my friend be successful and when that happened i was just like holy fuck and i had this this sense of of like deep gratitude and, and i was so proud of him and just like that was a really surreal moment. I'm like, fuck yeah, Duncan has a TV show now and it's out. You know, it's like this guy's finally getting the recognition that he's built and he deserves. And yeah. yeah, it was just, it was a surreal moment. Just like fucking Duncan has a Netflix show, seeing him from the Jerry 10 years ago. <laughs> Dude, it came out on 420, which yeah. is like, yo, blaze it. But then also it's his birthday and I didn't <laughs> even know that. Right. And I was like, oh man, this guy's like a warlock. Like this guy was born on 420. <laughs> yeah he is he's a warlock that's that's <laughs> describe it just um, for those who don't maybe don't know duncan that well like when he came to montreal to perform for stand-up he opened for joe rogan he had the entire stadium uh, stadium uh, theater we were about three thousand people all chanting ohm and he was oh, wow. holding he was holding uh an incense doing some satanic chanting and it was the yeah. weirdest experience <laughs> i don't know how he got this whole place to just chant ohm for 10 minutes just on a repeat and he was just that's doing this crazy prayer. It was the funniest thing. It was just that's Duncan. <laughs> so yeah, the show didn't has, surprise me at all. I mean, he has such a cult following. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not in like a bad way. Like it's it's so it's a beautiful thing. I mean, um, I was gonna go off on this other tangent. I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Before It'll you come back around, yeah. Um, Man, I don't know. Yeah, it was. It, it's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were saying you were so proud of him. Um, yeah, it came back. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back. It was like a friend. Like you were, you were seeing a friend become successful almost. And I, I feel, I feel similarly um, with with the team. Just like being being a part of this team, I feel like I was like welcomed into this amazing family you know um at tip mouse animation and the people who are you know running running this show the creators um it's it's a really amazing feeling because like now me and all my friends who worked on the show you know for one we have like this really cool thing in our portfolios and on our resumes <laughs> yeah but uh, you know it's hard i mean being an artist obviously uh, making a living as an artist is difficult. So something like this is such a such a boost for all of us. And we can boost each other. You know, we can promote each other on social media and um nice. Nice. Yeah, it's it's really it's really cool. Um but yeah, actually what you were saying, Sammy, was like the uh you were talking about it coming out on 420 and I remember I was I was messaging with one of my friends, uh one of the animators or one of the other, the background painters, actually, my friend Mal, uh, she was like, can we talk about how <laughs> Midnight Gospel is airing on 420 and episode one is about, like, weed in a pandemic? <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> which was created probably long before this whole um a little little on the oh, nose yeah. yeah which is crazy maybe a little too on the nose but i think it was perfect <laughs> that it came out at that time um it dude it what like i was getting some cabin fever and then yeah. i see this thing with no announcement <laughs> i had no idea this was coming out and i didn't even kind of make that connection about the first episode being this weird kind of, it's i mean it's just like a zombie apocalypse but it, it, it is a you know it's kind of apocalyptic uh global <laughs> pandemic thing and i was so happy to be like oh i got something new to watch on netflix that i'm at, like as you go you just get more and more excited you're like oh duncan right. trussell <gasps> <Pendleton Ward! gasps> you know like you, you, you run out of gas you're like oh my god and then i just killed it all in like a day or two because it's only like six or eight episodes or something like yeah. it's I mean, I remember Short and sweet. it's yeah, it is. And I remember finishing episode, um, the last episode, the interview with his mother and just like, it was like late at night. Like I had been, I had been like working on these freelance projects and then trying like basically binging it like every chance I got until it was done with. This was like within the first couple of days it came out. And then I finished episode eight at like 1am and I remember just fucking like bawling my eyes out, just yeah. like, <laughs> like pretty much by, same story for me, man. Yeah. yeah, just like by myself in the middle of nowhere, like during this pandemic, like Jesus Christ, like for so many reasons. Because like for one, obviously the subject matter of him and his mom is just so heartbreaking and beautiful. But then like for me, like having worked on this thing, like wow. I have like this other layer of like. I'm so proud and grateful and like, I can't even handle the emotions of, of experiencing this. Mm. Like, and it, it took me, like, it oh, took sorry. me like days. Sorry. No, I'm just, it took me like two days to just like, <laughs> do you ever like watch something that's so heavy and you just have to like, you can't even do like, you can't like move your brain from that. It's like you're, you're mentally like fixated on that for the next couple days. Like I didn't absorb anything. No music, no no animation, no TV. I, I was like working in silence for forty eight hours after I watched it. Um oh. just trying to 100%. process everything, you know? Yeah, it's and it's it was so heavy. I like I, I feel that way sometimes when I just finish a series. Like right. like Adventure Time is a good example because it's like you you finish a good book and you're sad. You finish a good series. Uh, or a good album or a good whatever or a good pro a great project, you know, and there's this there's a clear sense of loss Because mm -hmm. it is over and the way it ends. I don't want to spoil anything, but like if, if someone hasn't seen it um, You know that there, there isn't more coming You know, there isn't a season two or something and if there is like sure why not but but like it wouldn't really I don't know if it would make sense and it's it's like you yeah. If you have the instinct or the wisdom to don't like to not ingest anything else for a while, then you really get to absorb what you yeah. just experienced. And it is like a bittersweet. It's somber. It's kind of like in the death episode when they're talking about sitting with the body, right. you know, like you don't really want to do it, but it is so cathartic to, to really just take in the fact that this is over now. And I can't imagine how you felt when you guys actually wrapped up the project. You know, I'm sure you made a bunch of friends and yeah. I'm sure that it was such a passion project. It became a, a big passion project for you once you started getting in the groove or whatever. 
Like I, I can I can only imagine that extra layer, like you're saying. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. For, for sure. I mean, it's it's almost like a. I don't want to steal this from. <laughs> well, I, I'm just like, this is coming to mind. My the art director Jesse, he was talking about when he stopped working on Adventure Time, and it was almost like a breakup, like. Like, it's almost hard to, like, I mean, it's not hard for me to watch the show, but it was at times hard because it's so, it's so powerful. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the death episode, man, I mean, just to, like, swing back around episode seven, I worked on that a lot, and that was, that was insane. I mean, <laughs> I, I built, like, the junk world inside his bag, like, the, <clears throat> the horror. That was you? <laughs> yeah, that was all me. Well, wow. not all me, but like, I, I, I played a big role. <laughs> Before I even knew we were going to talk to you, I was obsessed with that background. Like, I yeah. paused it and saw all these random fucking items. Like, yeah. you, you could have been so lazy with like mountain, like you know, kind of silhouetted mountains, but there's just right. stuff, 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 stuff. Yeah. Well, I want to. I you know, I don't want to take too much credit. Like, so the. Jesse Moynihan was like so and Ellie Machalka they were such great art directors and they they really pushed us to like um <clears throat> to really just you know I don't think I was lazy I was trying to find uh <clears throat> really like unique items that that Clancy may have collected through his travels to different worlds um <clears throat> so you know they gave us some some ideas uh the art directors like there's a lot of like sacred items. Like I think there's a sphinx. There's like there are a lot of weird like there are like eyeballs. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like musical like bizarre musical instruments from other worlds that I kind of like created based on real instruments. Um, so the yeah, I mean the idea was like he's like kind of like a hoarder. Like he forgets that he collects these things and he puts them in his bag. And <clears throat> so when I when I was assigned to that episode. Like, okay, I saw the storyboards, which are very loose, but, you know, he's falling, he falls into his bag, and he's fall, basically falling from the sky into another world, and it's just mountains and mountains of items. And you can't illustrate in detail every little item, but you can, the, the items that are closer in the foreground, you know, they have more emphasis, and as you get further out, it's more kind of heaps and you're not really sure what you're looking at. Like, is that a giant plush elephant from the sixties that was maybe in my grandmother's attic? <laughs> 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 um, like, you kind of like you're, you're literally pulling like weird stuff out of your imagination and your memory. And also like you're searching like on the internet for, for reference and you're, you're, you're talking to the other artists. Like, what do you think would mix with these items? Like, does a sphinx make sense or does a, you know, does he have toys? Like, does he have, how long has he been collecting these items? You have to ask all these questions as you're working mm. on it, you know, since he was so, a, yeah, I didn't think about that kind of, yeah, that profound, like, um, again, like kind of, I almost want to call it like a silent continuity. Like it's not about the continuity of the episode, but it's like, this is Clancy's bag. So, right. It's like at first you're thinking, okay, there's set pieces. He he says hello to the Sphinx or something, or like the 
the sarcophagus or something like there's yeah, stuff yeah. that needs to be there a little more like bare, like more foreground and then there's kind of like layers where like literally in in a little more background where it's like like this stuff that you put in so much thought into you know and you and you're looking into like sacred geometry and like instruments and stuff and like you're stretching right. yourself thin and then you're like okay just items like what did i see in my grandmother's attic when i was a kid like you're just like now you're just like stuff i just need stuff <laughs> right you know it's it's a it's a fucking process it's processes on processes that people i think a lot of people these days because of stuff like podcasts we get to see these worlds but you're you're Maybe someone like me, like I pause it and I look at this stuff because I'm a weird kid, but like I don't think a lot of people are going to instinctively appreciate it. And that's kind of, I mean, how do you feel about that? Because you're creating this stuff and it's it's like in the name, you're you're animating and, and designing the background and it's it's like the drum, it's like the bass line to a song. People feel it, they don't hear it consciously. It's so important and yet it's uh something you might catch the second or third time you watch the show you know right it's so important but it's kind of like i think i know what you're saying like it's almost in like the peripheral of what you're experiencing and what what you're absorbing as you're watching so i mean but if it was just a blank background you wouldn't get the same feeling like if he just noticed yeah right if he if the exact same thing was happening in that episode but he falls well, I mean, look where he was before he fell into his bag. It's like a blank golf ball world. It's like a big white circle. And, you know, he pulls this slide thing out of his bag and he needs a hose so he can go on the water slide. And he, like, has all these things in his bag that's just collected. It's so bizarre. And then he, like, shapes himself as he tries to slide because he doesn't have the water. It's so funny. There's all this, the like, slastickiest episode. Like he keeps falling on the fridge and shit. Like, I know. I, I yeah. That, that was my fridge too. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, that's amazing. I wanted to ask you. Now I'm getting a picture of it. But where does most of your inspiration come from, or how do you manifest that and and cultivate your inspiration? Because I'm I can imagine there's moments where it's just like there's nothing coming to mind. You know, especially when you're when something like this where you feel like it it is pretty broad for creativity sometimes maybe that can play against you where it's too it's too out there that it's hard to narrow it in yeah no it is hard um and that's why it's 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 important to like have a really open dialogue with with your art directors when you're working on something like this and with the creative leads because but even sometimes they don't really know and they're expecting you to kind of like give them something to then give you feedback on so Sometimes you just have to like take a shot in the dark and just start throwing in random items like in the junk world. And then like I'll, I'll get feedback and, <clears throat> you know, this doesn't work. Like you can't have these beach balls in there or like this this 90s game console you put in here. Like it looks too much like a PlayStation. Can you make it more of a unique item to this world that isn't a trademarked item from our world? So. I'm getting this kind of feedback from the art directors. And <clears throat> so there's like a Nintendo slash PlayStation in that, in that scene <laughs> that's like in the foreground. And it's like a, I wish I had that system. <laughs> it looks, looks like fun. <laughs> I think I had the same thought. That's the best part. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. And then like the sarcophagus, like, you know, 
just down to the smallest details of like its eyes are diamonds. It's not, it's not a realistic person's face on there. Um, you know, we, if you look at David Jin's work and the ghost shrimp and a few other artists I could send you guys after that I'm blanking on, um, we kind of like, we were looking at their work a lot mm. to, to try to like find a style that <clears throat> kind of met somewhere between Pendleton Ward and Adventure Time, but more, yeah, I mean, just kind of more trippy, more Duncan. <laughs> um, more Duncan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like um, you guys were like a tightly packed group where it was like you could feed off each other and bounce ideas off each other and, and get inspired from each other. And I think... <clears throat> You see that that's a big difference in the artist world versus well for not for all artists but mainly the artist world when it comes to animators and even comedians or whatever there's this sense of community where the ones that are doing well are usually doing well because they always help each other out. Right. You know. No, totally. So it's not like as com that. it's a competitive environment but it's there's like a collective group in there which is beautiful to see. And then you get something like this product where you see it how many people were on that team that built that whole that whole thing could only work together if they all work together? Right, right, totally. And like I'm, you know, I'll be honest. Like I, I'm kind of an introvert, or I was growing up, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm definitely now more of an extroverted introvert. <laughs> but like a lot of artists, a lot of visual artists um, who work in animation or illustration, they are. It kind of goes against our nature to be. Uh, <clears throat> collaborating sometimes so you that's that's kind of a skill you develop as you go and um yeah i mean just just feeding off of my fellow background designers who i sat next to in new york at titmouse like denny and matt like matthew hernandez denny fink shout out to you guys you're awesome uh and the background painters i sat next to jen um uh janet and uh kyle sorry i'm blanking i'm still waking up it's <laughs> <laughs> all good um yeah, I mean, we were all feeding off of each other, for sure. And it was, like, I oftentimes I would find I was stuck on, on a background and I would need some some feedback from someone else. And if I was working by myself, that might be a little more difficult. Um, so that's why this pandemic is so weird. Like, I, I mean, it's like redefining how we all work. Like, I'm working on freelance projects right now, but, you know, everyone's just feeling pretty... I think lonely, like we all wish we could, that's why this is great. Like we can video chat, we can have podcasts, we can, we can stay connected, you know, it's such a strange time. But, oh man. It's, oh, it's yeah. so odd. And like, I find myself cause Sammy was mentioning, which I, I wanted to hit you Sammy. Cause you're like, I don't have to go grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <Lucky. laughs> so I, when I go grocery shopping, it's this weird feeling that like, I kind of want to stay there for a little bit cause there's so many people even though we're all right. like separated in our, in our own like spaces. It's just yeah. that, that human connection is so valuable. And I don't want to get down like a negative route, but it's really sad to see the fabrics that make us human are being pulled away. And it's, you know, that separation is not good for anybody. Even if we're introverted, I actually really enjoy my alone time, but there's, yeah. it's in our nature that we need community, whether it's for just sure. five minutes of just being in a, in a group setting versus being alone but it's it's scary to see what's happening right now and that we have to resort which is not terrible a video chat which is pretty cool but right. there's that real human presence that 
you can't label it. Yeah, I mean, it's a different feeling when you're standing in front of someone than like what we're doing right now. I mean, this is still better than nothing, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like when I when I go to the store and I just want to kind of hang out there and like, or let's just like talk to a random person. Like, I remember I, I was like driving through this more populated area because I'm like I've been like in the woods for the last few months it's bizarre I mean I grew up here but like I like see no one ever it kind of sounds like, like a movie scenario for you I, I mean it's pretty cool but like I miss people you know? <laughs> um but I was driving through like a more populated area a couple weeks ago and I was like I called my friend and I was like oh my god I feel so strongly like I want to go to this Taco Bell right in front of me like this sounds so corny but i'm passing like fast food places and i'm like getting nostalgic like remember when we could go to a restaurant like remember remember when we could like just walk down the sidewalk and not fear like you know not have to wear a mask like i mean this it's a huge change and maybe maybe it will bring i hope it will bring more positive out of you know i hope there will be positive changes from this and it won't just all be like scary <laughs> it, it definitely must be right yeah yeah like, a lot of us are um feeling you, you don't know what you you don't know what you have until it's gone uh, you know it's it's a cliche but like everyone right. everyone knows that everyone is feeling that right now a lot of people have some uh arguing feelings and arguing thoughts internally because it's like for people's safety or it's like it's also the law in a lot of places and you're like you're you could get huge fines and you don't know you don't know what to do with yourself and then you're staying at home and even if you're an introverted type and you're more comfortable there you realize that one percent of your time where you want to be with people you can't now and it becomes a bit of a panic so right. it doesn't matter who you are, unless you're like a real schizoid and you really don't care about people, like then everyone's, everyone is, everyone is nodding their head right now. I'm sure everyone is like, yeah, man, I miss like hugging my grandma. I miss like yeah. just going for a, a walk and like petting somebody else's dog. I miss like going to the grocery store and it not taking a fucking three hours or whatever, you know, like yeah. there's, there's some, there, there's some subtle stuff. There's some big stuff. A lot of, you know, like, of course it's just not an easy time for, for everybody, but it's, it's, I, I can imagine for you, it must be this weird like dichotomy because learning to, to learning the skills that you have is all a solitary experience. You know, you're sitting down and you're, I'm sure you had teachers and stuff like that, or maybe you didn't, maybe you're self-taught, but, but you're sitting there and you're honing the skill and you're understanding how lighting works and how 3D works and you're, you're steadying the hand. And then, like you said, you have to kind of learn to challenge that introversion as part of your career. Right. So uh, like it's, it's, I can't, I don't know. It must be, it must be an interesting experience for you, especially now that you're like really in a secluded area. Like, like it's a, it's a sanctuary in a way, but it might even feel like a prison sometimes. I, and I definitely feel for you. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all of that. I feel all of that. Um, and I think, you know, everyone's feeling that, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to like my work, I just, yeah, it's weird because like when I was younger, I thought, um, I don't really need anybody. I'm, I am an introvert. I can just draw by myself in, in 
in my room and like no one like I'll be fine but now you know during this kind of global pandemic it's like man I just miss seeing my friends I miss like there there's something that we we get from that those experiences that like feeds and nurtures us and you know really feeds our souls I think so there's there's that that there's like a pauldron inside of us that's like empty that like needs to be <laughs> refilled on a regular basis yeah. with like that human experience so and I was I was taught by I, I've had tons of great art teachers um but I've just always drawn since since I was a little kid so I guess I'm par- partially self-taught too <laughs> yeah uh, no one no one can do it for you i guess like you could have the best teachers ever but you have to put in the time right you got to put in the reps for sure i went to like this really cool um like hippie charter art school high school <laughs> where we called all our teachers by their first names it was awesome <laughs> like we would like have classes and fields and just like it was I went to a really rigid public school for two years, freshman and sophomore year, and then I got into uh, PVPA, Pioneer Valley Performing Arts Charter Public High School, I think is the whole name. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun, though. I mean, it was so, like, I get, like, I, I feel like I want to give a shout out to them because, like, I don't know if I would have pursued art as strongly if, like, during those formative teenage years. I hadn't had such exposure to the arts and like such, such motivation. Like these, these teachers were really um, like my, my art teachers at the time, Martin and Carl, see first name basis. (laughs) Uh, They were like, they were just so supportive of us and like getting into art school and like showing us that we could, you know, as students, like you could make a living, you can do this. Like you can, there is a need in the world for art, for, for great art. And that's, you know, we're all seeing that with the Midnight Gospel, I think. Like, people are really enjoying it. It's getting great reviews. So, um, yeah, just, and then I was fortunate enough to go to an art college in Boston and continue to hone that craft. So, like, it's a double-edged sword because there's been times where I haven't been able to find work in my career and I've had to work other jobs. And it's challenging because... I'm so like fixated on that life that like, I don't want to do anything else. Like, I don't want to sound like a spoiled brat, but like, I, (laughs) I don't want to bag groceries because I've been working on this thing for so long and I know that I'm capable of doing it. So like, please continue people, studios, whatever to give me work. Like this is my like ask to the universe, you know, Mm. which I think every artist, whether you're a comedian, a musician, like, if you've seen a little bit of success, you know, you know that you're capable of doing that and everybody has creativity inside of them. So, you know, get it out there. Especially in a world where it's so odd to me how artists are looked at as like the, the old storyline of the poor artist or whatever, you know, like, and it's, it's not promoted as much in society, but it's so, especially in now where you see everyone's craving entertainment and art and, you know, it's like, yeah. It's such it's 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 the foundation blocks of society is is these moments where you can watch a show like Midnight Gospel, appreciate all the work that goes into it, but yet 
in day-to-day life, at least po- pre, uh, pre-apocalypse, I'll say, like these kind of positions were, are still like not shunned, but they're not promoted the same way as, uh, as, a, as someone who wants to be a lawyer or any right. other kind of job title, which is like going by the, the standards of the norm. But it's fucking, these are, I'm not going to put a hierarchy on what's more important, but these are so valuable to society. These, 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 yeah. these positions of art, music, comedians, actors, animators, and it's incredible, you know? It's, it's, it's sad in a sense that we don't see that collectively, but maybe we do and it's growing into that, but it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's why, like, I don't understand, like, the naysayers out there who are kind of like, well, we don't need, like, you know, it's more important to have, like, I don't want to do a hierarchy either. Like, I don't want to put these different positions in a hierarchy, but art, like, clearly everyone enjoys art or intakes some form of entertainment. Like, unless you're, I don't know anyone who doesn't like listen to music or podcasts or like comedians or watch animation or watch movies. Like there's no one out. There's no one in our world. It's really. part of our culture and we do it. We watch it and use it all the time. Yeah. And it's so, so that makes it just as important as, you know, a farmer who is making our food. Right. Like, yeah, man. Who's our food. Like we, we have, because art gives us meaning, right. It gives us purpose. Like, we can express ourselves and and feel connected to other people because we know they they feel the same way we do, um, <clears throat> or we might have similar takes on uh, philosophies on life and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's- uh, this is springing out a question I want to ask you now: Is that was there a moment in your life where you were going to turn the other way and and not give up on this whole path, but maybe you didn't see the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? <laughs> oh man I, <laughs> I know it's a deep I, question but it's uh, it's always no, wondered because for artists it, it can be such a tough journey yeah I mean I'm I'm gonna just say I'm gonna preface it again with it's a double edged a double edged sword because I don't know why I keep using that term but like <laughs> it's I don't know any way any other way to describe it like my <clears throat> my my dad is a is a farmer like he you know i'm i'm i grew up on like a fifth generation farm like i i I worked on a farm growing up and you know he my parents have always been like supportive but i don't think they understood that it was possible for me to like you know you there's these stereotypes out there that a lot of us listen. We all listen to stereotypes all the time, whether we know it or not. Like, yeah, you can't make a living as an artist or, you know, that the starving artist stereotype. It's like, I hate that that exists, but it does exist. So we have to fight against it. Mm. And unless, you know, unless you have a better, (laughs) okay. Let me ring it back. <laughs> what was your question? I'm sorry. Just like, <laughs> was there ever a time when I thought about turning away? Yeah, like maybe you, you, I don't know, just like the path to get anywhere is usually fucking musky and it's hard to, to really see where, what's going on ahead sometimes. So I'm just wondering if like, was it a clear direction to, from starting to practicing school and then you getting into this whole career and it worked perfectly or was it more of like a bumpy fucking road? <laughs> uh, 
it feels a little bumpy um, to me. Uh, you know, I've worked a lot of different kinds of jobs. You know, I'm not fortunate enough that I have like any kind of financial backing. Like I've had to, um, you know, make a living doing this. And mm. I've also lived, I, I, I moved to the San Francisco Bay area. I, I lived in Mexico city for a year. I I've lived in Boston. I've lived in New York. Um, I would, I didn't plan that journey. It just kind of happened that way. Um, I, you know, so it's been tough at times, like, but I feel more capable now than I ever have. I feel like this project is, and it's not like a lack of skill. Like I'm not trying to sound cocky, but like, I know that I'm capable of doing this as a career, but like, there's there's these voices that are like no like think for any artist like yeah. you you can't do it like you're there's too much competition there's these negative voices you have to you have to try to block out and I, I'm sure meditation I mean I meditate here and there that can help like yoga like you were saying Sammy like that's definitely great for peace of mind and um, so yeah I mean I feel like it's a constant. I feel like my entire career is like, I don't, I, I, I'm reluctant to say this because now it's going to be online, but <laughs> it's like, I feel like a big motivator for me is to like prove my dad wrong. Yeah, man. <laughs> and be like, actually, everyone knows how you feel for there. That's, that's okay. I see. I understand your hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love my parents. They're great. But like, not everybody can see that this is a viable career option, especially when you come from like a pretty traditional background. So, yeah, yeah man, you know, and that story, we hear it all the time. And in our lives and other people's lives, it's such a common thing is where the parents have such a rigid idea of how the path should be because that's what they took, whether it was out of, out of just safety, you know, that's the safe path they took and it worked in a sense, right. you know, and then not transferring that those insecurities, I guess, onto the to the, to us, which is probably the hardest thing for a parent to do, you know, because they right, because, they see because, it, they see their path, you know. Right, and because like also like if you really strip it down, I mean, they're doing that because they care about you. Like yeah, it's man, not like that's a big point. It's it's not like they want you to like not enjoy your life or do the thing you want to do. It's it's because they think that this is this is the only way that they know that works like like any of us right i only know what i've experienced in my life as an artist and what works for me so and what i've read about so um isn't it i feel like i'm rambling <laughs> isn't it funny though that they do that because they care but it almost works against it's like it's like yeah. the the answer is supposed to be if you you care, yes, but now it's your time. You have to care enough to let go and let them experience it. But you see, I see it all the time with some of my friends, parents, whatever. They 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 grab onto all the directions, and yeah. their love is actually working against them. You know, and it's it's a tough one. But you know, it reminds me of a story. I have a musician because I, I do massage therapy, and oh, cool. yeah, and uh, so I was work. She's a musician, really talented. And I, I forgot how we started this conversation, but anyway, we were talking about 
the motive behind going on stage. Because she said, she told me she feels alive on stage when the spotlight's on her. And that she was talking yeah. with her drummer. She's like, why do we do this? Why do we feel so good with the spotlight on, on, on ourselves on the stage? And the drummer's like, it's because of our traumas, our past traumas. We were told that we couldn't do it. And now when the spotlight's on us, we're saying to the crowd, look, can you see me now? Can you see what I'm doing? And it's like they're talking to a specific person maybe. And in that case, it was actually her father who never, never thought of her music career as actually being something. So when she's right. pouring her heart on stage, it's really just for one person in the audience who's not even there probably, which is her father. And when she told me that was so emotional, man, I was like, holy fuck. Because that visual of the spotlight on her, pouring her heart, asking for him to look, this is what I'm doing it for, for you to prove you wrong. It's deep, man. You that's, know? Be that's a beautiful story. Yeah. I, mean, I can really see that, that image. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> catharsis too, right? It's like you're, you're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decent motivation. I mean, parents, it's so complicated to be a parent. You're like the god of this child. They're going <laughs> to die if you right. don't take care of them every 10 seconds. And then one day you start feeling that shifting and you have to let them fall. You have to let them get hurt. You have to let them make mistakes. It's so hard to make that shift where you're not the guardian anymore. You're just kind of like the guardian of their confidence now. You just have to encourage them. And it's like, no, like I need to make sure they make money and survive in society. And I've had all these hard times and I don't want them to go through that. It's hard for us. It's hard for anybody, but like, especially a parent to be like, no, wait, that's what made me. That's what right. fucking made me. And the same way someone has a kid and blindly takes care of that kid, you blindly take care of your art. You know, like you, you, Tom Segura said it in his uh, comedy special, the way that you succeed at anything is you look at the end goal and you just focus on the end goal and it does not matter how you get there. And you were saying how you moved around a lot and you didn't plan any of that because you had this baby in your mind that you just fed and fed and fed and right. like, you know, here you are kind of thing. And the, and the journey is not over, but it's like that catharsis is going to keep happening. And by the time you don't need that catharsis anymore, you're, you just have this full fledged career and right. it's, it's, I don't know what it looks like at that point, but like, I, I think a lot of people can, can relate that it's, it's we're, no one's a closed system. You know, we're all undoing the past in a sense. And it's all about our friends and our parents and archetypes, you know, and that the, you know, these ideas of like the, the starving artists that we have to fight, whether they're real or not, they're, they're based on something and they're true to us because they've been ingrained in us. And it's, it's like meditation or yoga. It's, it's an undoing that gives you that relaxation or that catharsis and that that ability to 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 just focus on the work and to just do it and then you're like look it's doable look right. at look at midnight gospel look at look at all like any I'm every musician ever you know there's there's so many people that will pick up a guitar and and work towards that and it's such a subjective thing cuz it's art so it is hard to make it out there. The starving artist is an archetype for a reason. It's a cliche because there's truth to it, like anything. Yeah. But it shouldn't stop anybody. Yeah. It's hard, though. It's, you know, <laughs> fighting against that sometimes. But, you know, when things like this happen, when Midnight Gospel airs, it's, it's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. It gives you <laughs> so me. much ammunition, uh, ammunition to your, to your 
reason because now it's like maybe in life there's always ups and downs even career-wise maybe if there's a drought in in the forecoming at least you can say look it happened with midnight gospel i know it's going to happen again like it's like there's like a tangible real thing you can look on you can just swipe on you go on netflix and it's there and it's like fuck yeah. if i did it here it can happen again and i just keep working keep putting my my head down keep working and then it's going to go on all over again yeah, I mean, like, I remember getting out of college and <clears throat> I had no idea what I was going to do. Like, I had just gotten out of art school. I'd focused on this <clears throat> for so long. And I was a little confused and misguided. And literally, like, the day of my graduation, I was contacted by Google. And they were like, hey, let's interview you for a, a graphic. Like, the person who, like, draws the Google doodles it was like a graphic artist role in California. And I was cool. in school in Boston. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. Like I was feeling so unsure and like literally the most powerful company in the world just found me. Like that's such a, that's, that's such a, um, a confidence boost. Yeah. Like that's, that gave me so much, so much power. Like I was like, wow. Okay. Like, I can do this. Like, I didn't get the job, but it didn't matter because they they sought me out, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, you got uh, you got that boost that you did. You know, I, I'm curious. I love asking people this because I feel like I get trapped. You know, like all that fear before something, someone Google contacts you, you have a lot of doubt and a lot of imposter syndrome and all those things that everyone is all too familiar with. But then when you kind of go over a little, uh, like a hill and you start getting this downward momentum, you kind of start getting like personally i get this like relaxation which is dangerous i get this like overconfidence like oh yes it is possible yeah but like like how do you is that a trap that you fall into like because you obviously you keep working you keep looking for gigs you keep making building your portfolio and and building your skill because you wouldn't be here if you if you didn't so like is there like a I don't know. Is there just like a like an ingrained humility in you that you can't really take credit for, ironically, or or is there a technique? Is it is it like, is it like um, way to call me? Is it? I know people, man. I know people. Yeah. No. I'm just what? Yeah. Is it conscious or is it just through experience? Like, have you had to make those mistakes? Like, what what does that look like? I feel like that's so interesting to hear you say that. For some reason, is there an ingrained humility? Like, for some reason, that's that's just sticking every out of everything you just said. Um, I feel like as an any creative person, like who's making a living or not doing it, if you're like passionate and you're motivated, you're always, you know, the collective you. <laughs> you're you're always um, hungry. You're always striving to you're always striving to be better, right? You always want to get better. Like you don't want to get stuck. You don't want to be stagnant. Like for me anyway, like I always want to, I don't think like what I learned in art school anyway, was like you, there's never a time where you, you just plateau. Like you can literally all like Rembrandt could still improve on things. Like, so I think an ingrained humility might be a healthy thing for an artist who's always striving to to find the next thing like i think i'm not saying like live <laughs> live in that but it can be healthy i think for for your craft to always be pushing it further 
Um, do I get lazy like when I when I find some form of like like when Midnight Gospel came out? Yeah, like I was just like just hanging out for days, like <laughs> you know, like drinking, <laughs> partying, celebrating. <laughs> yeah i mean because i feel like i earned that because i feel like i'm always working towards this thing and like when something great happens like yeah i get to relax like i deserve that you know but you know you, you don't want to like as long as you as long as you continue working as long as you're not just giving up i'll, I'll relate that to to mma fighters is um because i had one fight back in the day and so what it is is so much preparation for that date, whether it's six or eight weeks or ten weeks to training just for that fight day. You were you were a fighter. Well, I or? had I I had one fight, one amateur fight. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. It was a, I was eighteen. I was crazy. After that yeah. fight, I'm like never again. <laughs> but yeah. um, so I won just for context. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. A, it's a. It was a. My main goal was just to get one fight. I just want to do one fight and then we'll see. And then I did it. I'm like, that was amazing. I'm good. It's my bucket list. Done. Yeah, I mean, I have this crazy friend who I'm still in touch with from high school. Um, he, like, had a plane ticket the night of graduation, went to Europe, became a street performer. I talked to him a year later. He was in Thailand, like, <laughs> teaching scuba diving. And Thai, and he was a professional Thai kickboxer for, like, five years. Ooh, okay. Um, and then, like, you know, then I talked to him next time. He's like, um, like a year later, he's like plumbing in Switzerland. <laughs> like this guy, like, just but, the life, it out. but like the life experiences he's having, like, it, it's amazing. Like, I can't even imagine that. So we, we're constantly inspiring each other, me and my friend Sean, because he always wanted to like have a visual arts career ever since we were back at PVPA together. And I have like, a very adventurous spirit like i love i love doing adventurous things i love hiking i love going on trips um <clears throat> sometimes i do things that are a little risky like uh row a kayak out to a sunken ship in aruba and almost drown <laughs> but <laughs> um, <laughs> but like so it's just cool like to to see people like really living life like that yeah like, that's testing that's it out about, absolutely you know? man yeah you know. And I kind of want to hear the story now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just drew that in there. I just like yeah. sprinkle that in. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm that my ears perked up so hard. Okay. I'll I'll try to I'll try to tell it really quickly. Um I because I, I do love telling this story. Okay, good, <laughs> good, good. Um I was with my ex uh and we were we actually went to Aruba with my family and we rented kayaks, um, my ex, Lindsay and I. So we, there's like this ship that's like sticking out of the water and it doesn't, it doesn't look that far out. It looks like maybe, you know, we could kayak there in like five minutes and be back and it'll be fine. So we, we row our kayaks out to the ship and I'm like, go, I'm like looking underwater. Like I'm seeing like all these eels and amazing fish swarming around it underwater and it's so beautiful and then i hear Lindsay yell and i look and she's like way further out than me i'm like hey what's up are you okay and she's like i can't row in the wind is too strong the current is too strong so i'm like okay stay calm i'm coming 
and you know i come out there with my my kayak and she literally like the it was too strong like she could we we were right next to each other trying to row in and every time she would take a breath and like stop for a second she'd be like five feet out five feet further out than she was so um i tied the back i tied the the nose of there was like this rope in my kayak and i i connected the nose of her kayak to the back of my kayak and i thought i could kind of tow her which is probably a horrible idea <laughs> like like these things are like buoyant and like built in a certain way where they need to be like you know rest i don't know anyway so i'm going and uh she's trying to row and then uh this huge ship goes by us and i'm like wow that was our chance like like as after it passes i was like well if we're screwed like at least like i i should have called out to that ship and now now it's gone um so i kept i kept rowing and all of a sudden i feel my kayak like really like tipping side to side like like it's taking on water okay and i i i tell i tell lindsay i'm like hey don't panic but i'm going in the water like i didn't even describe like what was about to happen i was just like Oh shit! Don't worry, it's gonna be fine. But I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to under. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like you're, you're sitting in front of me talking, so I know how the story ends, and I'm still kind of freaking out right now. <laughs> and like, for the record, like, oh, shit. the shoreline, the beach, is like a splinter now. It is so far away. I don't know how we got pushed out. The wind is just. So powerful. And the people who rented us these kayaks, I realized once I fall into the water, we don't have, we don't have um, life jackets. Like, they didn't give us life jackets. We hadn't eaten anything. It was like we were on vacation and we had, like, drinking a Corona, like, one Corona. We <laughs> 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 were just, like, oh, clearly shit. not... Clearly not like one low calorie beer in your stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and I get seasick regardless, but anyway, so I, my kayak tips, takes on water and it tips because hers is pulling mine down and there was a hole in the side of mine. So it was filling up with water. And, um, so for some reason I was afraid of leaving the kayak. I was like, like in the heat of the moment, like, they're going to charge us. Like we're going to get in trouble. Like I'm just panicking. So I tie it now to the back of her kayak so that it's dragging behind her, like hanging, hanging underwater kind of. And I'm like hanging onto the side of her kayak and I swam for two and a half hours. Holy shit. Oh, fuck. While holding onto her kayak, we were just trying to get back into shore and it just kept pushing us. Finally, a party boat goes by, and I climb on. I'm like, my legs are like spaghetti. Like, I can't. I I think I fell once I got on the boat because I couldn't. My legs were just shot from swimming, you know. Um, and I <laughs> like to this guy, the driver. I'm like, will you get like? Can you please go get my girlfriend? Like, she's floating out. He's like. <laughs> Hey man, he like cracks this joke, which I'm not in the mood for. He's like, "You're supposed to save her, man." I'm like, 
but they ended up good on him though. That was <laughs> like, but they they ended up, you know, they went out, they grabbed, they got her, they tied the kayak up. The guys who rented to us come out. They're like, "Hey, we thought you went to Venezuela. Like, we were wondering where you were." <laughs> like, dude, my kayak had a hole in it. They didn't give us our money back. Nothing. Like, once we were on shore. I was just grateful to be like on solid ground. Um, and I mean, that's it. But it was like, like, I, I mean, being out in that water though, I, I really felt, <clears throat> I really kind of accepted my mortality and like my, my family was kind of making light of it after like, Oh yeah, you were fine. Like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like I no. was, I was prepared to drown like mentally. Like I, I knew that was possible in that moment because we weren't making any progress and we were out there for so long, you know, it's crazy. You got, you got saved. Like you literally got yeah. saved. I got, but got so I feel you, man, because in that moment you were, there's so much uncertainty that you don't know if you're going to make it. And yes, the story sounds light because a party boat came and picked you up and they got your girlfriend. But for those two yeah. and a half hours was, was real to you. It was really, the end was inside in a sense where you were really, really unsure. Right. And like, obviously I was trying my hardest, right. To like get us in, but like, there's a certain point where you say to yourself, is this going to go in the other direction? Like, yeah. And are we going to make it? Dude, this, this rings a bell inside me. Um, I have a, not a swimming story, but I have a similar story where that experience kind of happened where I was yeah. really unsure, and obviously I'm here, but in the moment was terrifying, and it was in Thailand. I was, oh, wow. yeah, I was, uh, I was just going like tr like a temple hopping with my scooter, and then I was I was going to a big temple, so I was on a highway, and then I saw this random temple, massive. In Thailand, you can find a temple every two two kilometers. It's pretty wild. That's awesome. So I go there. It was like a Sunday, I believe, or something, and it was kind of closed, but it was open. So I just walked in, but there's no one there. It's empty. And I'm going to the staircase and I see a dog in the, in the distance starting to bark. And then he starts running towards me, him and two other dogs. I'm like, oh, fuck. And Thailand, there's wild dogs everywhere. Some are nice. Some are really aggressive. Right. And they come at me like, like as if they were starving. So they, they're barking. There's three dogs at that moment. And I'm on like the third step of, to get into the entrance of the temple. And the temple's closed. And they're just at the bottom, just barking, barking, barking. And I'm, I'm like, fuck, get the fuck away. Like, go away, little dogs. They weren't that big. But then they kept barking. And then out of nowhere, three more dogs show up. So now we're talking about six wild dogs getting aggressive. And I'm on the third step. And I am like, okay, this is like my heart's bracing. I'm like, okay, this is not a joke anymore. This is, I might actually have to fight these dogs. So I take off my helmet and I'm looking at some metal, <laughs> um, but it, it relates to your story because there was that moment where it's like there's really un there's a lot of uncertainty happening at that moment. I'm really unsure if what's happening next because these dogs are gaining confidence. So I yeah. have my helmet, and then another dog comes. I think like the father or the mother. So there's like six medium sized small dogs, and then a big dog, and they start barking and growling, and they start coming up the steps, and I'm swinging my helmet just to keep them away. Yeah. And uh, I remember I, at that point, it was like, back to like my MMA fight, it was like that hyper-focus where everything's gone and it's just, okay, this is really calculating survival. 
I'm going to have to get bitten a bunch of times, but I'm going to have to hit the big one. And like, this is actual processing that was happening. And they're climbing up the steps and I'm backing up a step and I'm about on the sixth step now and they're in the third. And one goes, backs up, and then the other goes, backs up, and then they're like testing me. And I'm yeah. thinking, and I'm kind of looking around, but staying focused if there's any other steps, any ways to get the temple, because if they come from behind. And I'm telling you, dude, this was about 15 minutes of just wow. back and forth, swinging, screaming. I was, I was growling back at them and they were barking. And there was like this moment where I'm like, fuck, I, I don't know if I'm going to make this, man. Like I really... I, this has progressed into something so terrifying that I don't really know what the fuck's going to happen next. How have you never told me this story? I thought I did. No? <laughs> I don't know, man. I smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. I feel like I'd remember this, though. So, Holy shit. So this was literally 15-minute stare down, and I'm thinking as it's happening, and I'm my helmet's getting closer and closer, and they keep backing up, but coming forward, backing up, coming forward. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm going about this wrong. Like, is there something I can do differently? And I don't yeah. know what happened. I think we were all just getting fatigued. <laughs> so I just started to put down my helmet and look at them because I have a dog. So I kind of understand dogs in a, in a little sense. And they start calming down. And it was like this weird moment of like neutral neutrality where we're just like, you know what? We both have a white flag. This is too much effort to eat because they were clearly hungry. But this was like this was too much work for them. And they actually uh -huh. started calming down and I started calming down and to the point where I actually put my hand out like like this. And then the little one went first, smelt me, backed up. Then the father came, smelt me, backed up. And we were best of friends after that. <laughs> I, I don't understand going from high adrenaline to about to kill these fucking dogs. And they're about to kill me too. We're like homies now. And I'm just, I'm cuddling with the little one and petting it. The the father like came to me, sniffed me, walked away. Like, like you can take care of my kids for a bit. They were, they were like testing you or like the universe was testing you or something like yeah that. man it was <laughs> and your story just brings back all those memories of really that uncertainty and that like and then I'm telling the story I call my parents right after I'm, I'm like like talking a mile a minute and they're like oh but you're okay I'm like yeah yeah I'm good <laughs> right, <laughs> I call like, my other friend they're like oh you're okay I'm like yeah I'm fucking good but there's 15 minutes where it was death I, I thought I was gone right and it's like so you, you try to explain that to people and like, of course, like they can't feel what you just felt. So it's hard to like relate to anyone who hasn't gone through what you just went through, you know? Yeah. Um, Maybe they don't I, want to, right? you know, it's like, like you just went through, you're like, I just had a near death experience and they're like, like, like imagine it's like my, my son almost just died. My brother almost just died. They're like, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're talking to me. Like, I don't have to feel those feelings. And then you're like, I almost just died. <laughs> You know, like, this is real. Like, like there was, there was 15 minutes of war going on. <laughs> That's oh, insane. Yeah, that one, wow. that one, I remember my heart was pounding for like three hours after I left. I went back in my scooter. I said peace to them. I even gave them a, I had banana chips. I gave them some banana chips. And I wanna, I wanna, can I ask you both something? Because I can't, this isn't sparking anything for me. Like, I've had some psychedelic trips where I had like these ego deaths. I've had some near-death experiences, but they were like instant like holy shit i almost just died like i hit by a car almost hit by a speeding car like i didn't have the moments to think and accept my death do you guys uh i don't know i guess greg go first or something like let's <laughs> let's let's organize this a little bit but like did this change your life like maybe even in an unconscious way did this fuel you and make you like oh i have to do shit like i have to i have to buckle down like i could die <sighs> 
uh, I feel like it did. It's hard for me to say because I don't know how I would be if I hadn't experienced that. But I, I do feel like it, it definitely made me a lot more grateful for a lot of things. Um, I think I felt like when I was younger, I, was, I felt like maybe I was kind of invincible. I used to do like a lot of risky things. Like me and my friends would like break into abandoned buildings and like do crazy stuff. Um, but, or like I'd climb like really high things that I shouldn't be climbing. Like, <laughs> so yeah, like I think I'm more cautious a little bit but like I'd still do things like I still do like crazy adventurous things, but like I guess I'm more attuned to the fact that maybe yeah, I'm more I'm, I guess I'm more cautious. I'm not a, I'm not really sure how else to expand on that. I feel you though. It's like you you gained a you gained like a like a good fear. It's not a un, it's not like a controlling fear or like a or like a phobia like an irrational fear. It's, it's just kind of like a respect. You. Yeah, it's not limited. It's like, it's like a. This is how you survive yeah. here. Like, yeah. like, like even even in a setting where like tourists go on vacation to Aruba, and you think everything's safe, right? Like you go to Disney World, wherever wherever you go, like pre-pandemic, you think like everyone normally has like this sense that maybe they're not even aware of that like, well, I'm, I'm safe here. Like this is our world, and we know it's safe and. But I think everyone now is experiencing like the opposite of that. They're like, wow, maybe the world's not safe. Like maybe we need to be more careful. Maybe we be, need to be more conscious about um, a lot of things to prevent. <laughs> the more, the mortality is being challenged, you know? Right. And that's where I actually now can parallel our stories to what's happening. And I think it generally might be actually for the better down the, ro down the road because what I did get also out of that dog story was Firstly, I called my parents right after it happened, instinctually, which was actually, now that I'm processing it, it's been a year, but that may, that's beautiful in a sense. It's like, I called my parents right after I almost died, you know? And the gratitude is definitely there. When you really don't know what the fuck's next, you're not thinking of anything but survival, you know? And mm. then when you have your survival back in your grasp and you survived then it's like what really matters is just your friends, your family, and your life. You know, not all yeah. the other story that we operate on. I didn't think of anything but getting the fuck out of there. And I do remember actually um, a thought that came into my mind was like, this can't be the way it's going to end. Or this is like, this is like the storyline you hear all the time. A fucking tourist goes a uh, solo trip and then uh, does something stupid and gets killed. You know, like it's this, I don't want to be that cat, that the warnings that everyone's been telling me to be careful. I don't want to fit into that category of, oh, I, I, it's pretty dark, but I told you so, but I'm dead. <laughs> you know? right. Or like, or just damaged. Cause that would have been a, a very bad scene. Whether I lived or died, it was, if it escalated, it, I would have been torn up. But. And it's, it's interesting to hear you say like, you, you had that moment where you, you were saying to yourself, this can't be the way it ends yeah. because yeah maybe like like dogs i mean dogs are so instinctual like animals are so much i feel like more instinctual than we are in a lot of senses and like maybe they picked up on that maybe maybe that was the moment where you're like click this isn't happening you're like no yeah <laughs> you're like yeah. telling those dogs like, like dude it's exactly that like 
I, or whatever. Yeah. Because I think it was around that time where I was really getting into that processing. I'm like, this can't be how it ends. Like, there's got to be a way out of this. And then right. it's, I guess it, it it showed in my energy change. And then they yeah. mir- they mirrored it because dogs like to mirror. Also, they they right. you know domesticated or not, these dogs have been around people and tourists. They're they're not foreign to what a human is. So they they were able to feed off of that energy change instead of fighting fire with fire. All of a sudden they realize, oh wait, uh, he's not as aggressive right now. Let's tone it down. It's not the case yeah. if it was a bunch of wild cats or like a wolf or anything. But these are dogs, yep. right? So right. I think that switch, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fuck. But that fifteen minutes, man. It could have been even a half hour. I don't know the actual timeline, but that was some heavy shit, man. And I think the world is kind of going into that right now. Is that our mortality is being tested, and we're all the momentum is stopped, and we're all processing now. Like, holy fuck, this is not the world that I thought it was. You know, my friends' parent, grandparents are dying. Whatever. Like, there's there's actual numbers that are this thing is killed. Maybe uh, I need to hold the horse a little bit and think about my life a little bit more and what matters, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because on, well, our, really our, on our individual story, we're having very power, very similar themes that were gained from it. So Yeah, well, I'm so happy I mean, that you like survived that, man. That's crazy. <laughs> like, that both it could have been the end, man. Both of us, you know? Yeah. It's still it's it's left out now. Emmy, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't... You have to go try to have a... Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I don't want to almost die. It's I not mean, a fun I, thing, Savvy. It could have been way worse. I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to derive the wisdom out of it, but I think it, it is an experience, and I can't, I can't like, intellectualize it. Like, you guys uh, came face-to-face with, like, a, a real fragility and of your lives, of the world, and that's scary, maybe even traumatizing, but it's very informative... And there's a lot that you see now in that light. What is fragile? What isn't fragile? What can be tested? What can be pushed, bent, that won't break? And then what really does need to be protected? You know, in these crazy unconscious ways, I'm sure you guys, uh, I mean, experiences shape us, you know, and those are very, those are hyper and real experiences. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, Man, I love how like the, the flow of this just like where where this podcast went it's crazy it just goes man <laughs> you just it's a it's a ship that's going with the currents you know and wherever it talks wherever we go we go and catch it catch it i had to i had to i'm sorry yeah. comes full to. circle i think there's, actually sorry there's a lot of uh, actually i'm sorry actually there's a lot of common themes through this with like like a, a lot of common images right it's like Life, death, mortality, like the ship, like the ship and the ocean. <laughs> Even manifestation, like we're talking about the, the like uh, guiding the dog's emotions through your acceptance, you know, like that whole episode with the fishbowl man and the ice cream and everything. Like he's talking about magic and he's talking about intention. Right. Like it's, it's all, it's all in there. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, Midnight Gospel touches on a lot of stuff, like just so much stuff. So I'm sure we could pull out even without reaching too far, we could just pull out like anything you want to talk about that, that that's like deep. I'm yeah. sure midnight gospel at least uh, grazes it, if not drills into it. Before we yeah. end this, I just, I just thought about it. You spending 50 something times drawing a ship. And then I hear this story about you getting saved by a ship. is just such a weird mind fuck from the universe. 
Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why the ship was challenging for me. Maybe it was like, like I was going back to like some tra- traumatic memory. Like <laughs> that's some fucked up shit, man. Yeah, we're wow. not we're not in any kind of rush to finish. We just kind of want to respect the time there. But we're we're loosey goosey, you know. Like, is there anything else you want to talk about? Like, you mentioned a a comic series that you that you have. Like, anything you want to expand on? We could talk about fucking psychedelics. We could talk about the universe. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious about this comic series though. Yeah, I'd I'd love to talk about my comic series. Nice. Um, just just kind of briefly. Uh, and I'm in no rush either. So. But awesome. I know we don't make it like a four-hour podcast. <laughs> so I get the feeling we could. <laughs> um, no, like, so, yeah, the, my comic uh, series I've been working on for, I've been actively working on it for, like, five years. Um, but I've been thinking about it for, like, ten years. It's uh, called The Tales of Reverie. It's, uh, it's actually inspired by um, childhood dreams I had. And, and night terrors um, that I had when I was a kid. And I also feel like when I was a child, I have, I have a very vivid recollection of astral projecting. Um, <clears throat> so I have done psychedelics in my life, but I, I, I feel like these experiences that I had, like these very surreal, vivid visions I had from these dreams that I remembered from when, from when I was a child, I, they just stayed with me for so long. Like, they're still with me, and I, I try to express them through this comic series. It's about a, a young boy who... It's basically about me. I mean, it's it's about a young boy who's, like, between these two worlds. And um, it's a, it's a world-building project. If you guys are familiar with the term, it's, like, it's my way to explore, like, a lot of character design and world-building and it's a big lush fantasy world um, <laughs> cuz i have fun doing that kind of stuff and uh, i mean i guess i could give you the log line if that i could sum sure, it up sure. <laughs> okay um, 11 year old noose um, embarks on a quest to the parallel dream world reverie to find his missing father and help the mythical elementals save nature from destruction <laughs> nice that's it i'd love to because you you mentioned like like uh world building is something that might get thrown around and it's it's actually kind of like an internal artist jargon and the way i understand it is you like you're you're you i mean you're building a world i don't i don't want to sound too simple but like you're there's rules there's there's maybe an economy there's a history there's there's maybe like if there if there's magic there's kind of like a like a way that system of magic works. There's a way that uh, people might live and die. There might be an afterworld. There's a there's a geography. Like there's characters. There's mm-hmm. there's a there's a micro and macro story happening, and you and you really build the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Were you? I didn't want to jump. Well, in. it's it's kind of a question. Like, am I right? Like, is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're right. Um, and I mean, you can look at like the most grand uh, examples of that. You look at like Tolkien, right? You look at like Lord of the Rings, or you look at, I mean, look, like bring it back to Duncan Trussell. Like he built the worlds of the Midnight Gospel with Penn Ward for years. Like it's, it's a really fun process for me 
um, as so- someone who kind of identifies as like being somewhere between a writer and an artist, like I'm never satisfied when I'm just, I feel like there's this part of me that's not satisfied when I'm just doing illustration or animation. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, like I loved working on Midnight Gospel. I have a lot of projects I love working on, but as I have like this strong desire to tell a story, um, and and kind of build build a story and build a world. So, I have a Patreon um, where I where I work on this and I release content um, a few times a month. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really fun project. If you're into fantasy, if you're into kind of trippy surreal stuff if you're into midnight gospel i think you'd probably be into it um nice give a plug man i want to i want to check this out and for all our listeners uh, yeah it's just uh patreon.com slash gregory miller um i'll put a link too in the description yeah and just so my name is spelled a little differently g-r-e-g-e-r-y gregory is normally o-r-y but i guess i guess my parents wanted me to be slightly different (laughs) (laughs) i have no good story literally no good story about why my name is like i ask my mom all the time i'm like why did you guys spell it like that and um she's like well i guess like my parents like i had a pretty um standard like religious uh i'm not religious but like when i was younger i guess we went to church and stuff and i was baptized and i I guess the priest to my mom was like, well, you're ruining his life. Like you shouldn't don't, don't spell his name like that. It's like a super dick. <laughs> like, like amazing. Like, come oh, on. Man. like, no, yeah, but it's, it's character, you know, like my, everyone, my real name is Alexander. My mom has called me Sammy since I was like six years old. And I, and then she's like, you know, your real name's Alexander. Right. And I was like, huh? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> Sammy doesn't exist anywhere. Like, it's just a nickname. But, like, everyone, everyone, my dad even thought it was my name for a while. Like, he forgot that it was not on my birth certificate. And it's just given me this kind of, like, it didn't ruin my life, but it's, like, a thing I have to fucking deal with all the time. And it just adds a little character. It makes you a little more, like, personable. It makes you have a little, like, as soon as you meet somebody, it's like, oh, what's your name? It's like, oh, well, you can call me... uh, Greg, or you can call me Gary. That's how it's spelled. You know, like (laughs) you have this little, I don't know if you ever use that joke. It's yours if you want it. (laughs) I wonder how Elon Musk's son is going to be. You guys saw his name? It's like AR180 or something or X. It's just a weird coded name. I mean, there's so many (laughs) names are going to just get crazier and crazier, which is, uh, I think is awesome. Like, I mean, you should be able to name your child whatever you want. Like it doesn't have to stick to traditional, you know, norms. Uh, like I'd rather it. I'd rather sure. it. <laughs> so, I'm 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 somewhere on the fence about that. I mean, I'm sure people will agree and disagree based on because you just want to. It's your kid. You want to give them something, but like it's them after. Like if you name your kid like eleven from like Stranger Things and then they, they call them L or something for short, there's there's a ring to that and it sounds cool. But if you name your kid like Spoon. You know, like you're, you're, you are fucking kids life up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, who am I to say, but I don't, I don't think you, I don't want to name my kid spoon. Let's just put it, let's just <laughs> leave it at that. You know, I don't know. But I, 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 
this is a weird tangent. I'm, I just want to go back. Tales of Reverie. Like, is this is some of this stuff out? Like, are, is th there's content? Like, can I can I? Yeah, there's uh, there's about seventy pages of comic storytelling. Um, there's there's a lot of character design and maps and world building online. If you go to the talesofreverie.com, um, I have everything up there. And <clears throat> yeah, I've been actively, like I said, making this stuff making this project for five years, but I've been thinking about it for about 10 or, I mean, even longer. Like, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's ongoing. It's, I'm continuing to produce new content all the time. So that's what my Patreon is for, just to help fund it. And people can, if people subscribe to my Patreon, they can get original artwork from me. They can get merch from my shop, art prints, comics. Um, yeah, so I feel like the art speaks better for itself than I do. So just go, please go look at it. <laughs> I, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. It, it sounds so personal to you also and so fueled by your actual experiences and the very psychedelic experiences, even though it was like this kind of uh, mystical astral projection stuff, like not, not necessarily drugs or plant medicines, but still very psychedelic sounding. I can yeah. only imagine... I'm I'm down, man. I feel like yeah. I'm a fan already. I, I I don't like, yeah. I'm I'm fucking down. I'm down like Chinatown. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um. It's just it's like the most fulfilling project for me. I just it is very personal, and uh, I'm gonna keep working on it, you know, until it's done. And yes. I don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> I'm on page seventy, and I feel like I'm barely I barely scratched the surface, honestly. Wow. Nice. So, yeah. Fun. Um. Yeah. So, okay, thanks. Thanks for the plug. Thanks for letting me do a plug. <laughs> to Dude, thanks for coming on, man. We, uh, yeah. I, I, you, we, you never know what to expect when you like. We, we were meeting for the first time, essentially, yeah. you know. And for we sure. were talking about it before, like with the pandemic, like you can't meet in person. But like you're, you're not exactly close by, you know. Like this is right. this is this is like a little miracle of of uh, technology. But like, dude, I, I feel like we could have a beer together. Like you're a fucking cool dude. And, and it's, uh, you guys do for sure. Awesome. I, I would I, honestly, Oh, please. Yeah. I, I hope we can do that someday soon. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. And, and honestly, like, I, I don't say this with every guest and most of them, I, I, I mean it. Like, I would love to have you on again. I feel like we could talk about, like, we, we obviously focused on midnight gospel and, and on the process of art and on your experiences. But like, I would love to talk to you about like psychedelics, about astral projection, about like how those things have fueled your art, how they've fueled your life. Like you just, uh, that, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I just like talking to people and you're, you seem like a cool cat, man. Yeah, no, you man, you too, man. Like, I'd, I'd love to come out again. Like, you know, get, get a couple other guests on and then I'll come back. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do You got anything to fucking, <laughs> oh, sorry. So what'd you say? Oh, I was just saying, like, uh, I want to give give you guys the floor. Let's fucking let's end this thing on a yeah on a sex note, well, dude. <laughs> that was uh, I'm happy we had that relatable experience at least. And yeah, that uh, sure. I it's funny, it's weird, man. I don't know how this thing works. This thing we call life, but this story was actually spinning in my head recently, and I'm like, I want to share this on the podcast, the the, the dog story, and. You explain you're you saying your story just they hit me. I'm like fuck. Now it needs to come out. 
And the fact that we can relate is just, I I feel you. I felt what you went through, man. And I'm sure you feel the same way when I explain my story. And it's, it's a blessing we're here. And maybe it came out because we, it is some knowledge to share with everyone going through this pandemic that there is usually, well, I believe there's going to be a brighter end to this. And that once we get through this, we're going to have deep gratitude once all the fear passes, because it's already from when the pandemic started till now, I can already sense it and see it. People are slowly getting back to normal. Like the, the facts are coming in, the numbers are coming in, and we're starting to, to tune down those defense mechanisms. But what comes after all the fear when it's gone and settled and reflection's done is gratitude for the tiny little things in life. You know, the beers with the friends, the being in a fucking grocery store with a hundred people. Like these are what makes life. These are the background images in Midnight Gospel that make the show. These are everything, this is the canvas that we operate on. And without it, it's just a white white canvas that you were talking about, the white background. Like, you need everything to work. So that's that little poetic parallel with Midnight Gospel into real life. <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. And I, like, I can't even compare. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to think of something, like, witty and <laughs> to say at the end of this, but I... Like, thank you, Nathaniel. That was awesome. <laughs> thank you for coming on, man. And thank you for the yeah. work you've done. And keep doing it because clearly yeah. we need art, artists in this life. It's it's part yeah. of life and it's it makes life. So thank you for your services and your beautiful yeah. work. And fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Thank you, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. And I, I look forward to seeing this and to seeing more of your podcasts and seeing more of your art. Oh, yeah, you bro. guys work. For sure. I mean, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and stay in touch. And, yeah. Uh, let's chat more. All right, brother. <laughs> okay. Fucking deal, man. All right. Peace. Yeah, have a great Peace, day, man. Take care.